Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, like you know it contains all the truth. Shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, still talking about every prayer answered. And last week, uh, we opened a can of uh, uh, jewels. So we have to stay on that camp a little bit longer than I expected. But if you didn't check out the uh, sermon from last week, please be sure to check it out so that you can keep up with what we're going to be talking about today. Amen. So we're still talking about one of the forms of prayer that we see in scripture, which is called meditation. One of the most uh, underrated, if you will, one of the most unused uh, forms of prayer, because for most of us, when we say the word prayer, uh, we automatically think that prayer is presenting our grocery list before God. And it's nowhere near that. Amen? So today, again, we're going to be talking about meditation. So it's meditation part two, if you will. And uh, we're going to start in Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. Romans chapter number 12, verse 2. And the Bible says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Did you see it? So, the Apostle Paul here, again, uh, meditation is embedded in this scripture, and we'll show you uh, quickly how. He starts by telling us what we should not do. He says, don't be conformed. And basically, the word conform means to be poured into a mold. And the way you manipulate iron is to usually turn it into uh, liquid iron and put it in a mold, and whatever mold it dries in, that's what it becomes. That's the shape it takes. And the life circumstances, the newspaper, the world, the environment we're in seeks to mold us into a certain thing. You know, I was saying in the first service, if you did any uh, uh, um, uh, course that had to do with business, you would have taken a subject called economics. And this is how they define economics, the management of scarce resources. So they are molding you to think scarcity. Who, who, who told you that resources were scarce? I mean, we've been breathing oxygen since 6,000 years ago, and it hasn't run out. We've been mining diamonds. In fact, God pointed to uh, a precious metal, uh, pointed it out to Adam. He said, this is onyx, this is diamond, this is gold, and it's good stuff. Adam has been mining, uh, uh, we've been mining uh, precious metal since the days of Adam, and it hasn't run out. But the world will tell you it's about to run out. Nothing is about to run out. God has got this. Amen? But they put you in a system that makes you think lack. You know, I was saying on the broadcast uh, last week, you know, every school holidays, my parents would take me to the rural areas uh, where I would hang out with all my other cousins. And uh, this is how they typically fed us. They would sit 12 boys around one big ball of pop and one big ball of stew. 12 of them around it. And they would say, on your marks, get set, go. And then the ones who could eat what stuff, man, would just go for it. And you had to devise ways of getting meat and uh, hoarding. You know, you'd have to wear long sleeves going for dinner. So that when you get into the meatball, you just take some and put it in right in here. 
What did that do? It trained us to think that there was scarcity. And unfortunately, most of us have taken that into the real world. Some of us, very sad, have taken it into government. Okay, moving right along, (laughs) swiftly. So, there's no scarcity. They've trained us to think that it's flu season. It's not flu season. It's divine health season all the time. So, the Apostle Paul says, don't be conformed to this system of thought. In the world system, if you want to prosper, they tell you, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can. In other words, retire early. And just sit and do nothing. That's what they tell you through hoarding. In God's kingdom, he says, put your gifts to work. Be productive. And as you get, give to he who is in need, and it will come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, so you can give more. That's the difference of these two systems. So he's saying, don't be conformed to this system, really governed by fear. Be transformed so you can conform to a system governed by faith. Amen? So he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Someone say transformation. Transformation. The word transformation uh, comes from the Greek word metamorpho or metamorpho. And uh, basically, the analogy for this, and I'm really, really summarizing because my time is going. The the analogy for this is uh, a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly. That's the analogy for this. Think of it. A caterpillar. You know, a little creature. Crawling in the dirt, eating in the dirt, and it's actually blind, and it possesses chemical substances that if humans come into contact with it, can also become blind. So this is a deadly creature. And by process of transformation or metamorphosis, it becomes a butterfly, a creature that's colorful, enjoying a sunny day, just, just eating off of flower petals, and not from the ground. And as radical as that transformation is, the Bible says it's available for you and me. Man, when you look at a butterfly, you don't even see traces of a caterpillar. They are two distinct creatures. And this radical transformation is available for every single child of God. A transformation that is so radical that you won't look like your past life. People who swear you were never poor. Have you ever seen these billionaires? They're trying to convince everyone that I've been poor once. And people say, you're lying. There is no way. You know what's happening? They are now living a life that does not have any traces of their past life. God will transform your life in such a way that people will swear you never went through a divorce. People will swear you were never abused. When this transformation is done working on the inside of you. Amen? And this transformation is available for every single child of God. And I'm so glad he tells us how it comes. He didn't leave it to our imagination to figure that one out. He says, be transformed. How? By the? Notice he didn't say be transformed by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is great. You should pray and fast. But that's not how transformation comes. Transformation comes when you start changing the way you think. Ooh, I knew I wasn't going to get lots of amen. I, I can count them on my one hand. Listen, you have to change the way you think if you're going to tap into this transformation. It comes by fixing your thought life. Because the Christian life is an outward manifestation 
of an inward reality. So whatever you have on the inside of you in your thought life is a reality, that's who you're going to manifest on the outside. Amen? I said amen. Now, one of the things that the butterfly, that the caterpillar does as he's going through the process of transformation is he spends time in what is called a cocoon. He just wraps himself around in a cocoon. And have you ever seen a cocoon? Just this little thing and you wonder what this is, you know? And, and it's just sitting there and doing nothing. And sometimes for up to seven months. And then when he emerges out of the cocoon, is this beautiful creature that's colorful, that is living the butterfly life. The cocoon is what we call meditation. When you sit and let the word of God do the work on the inside of you. When you let the word of God do uh, work on the inside of you, as you emerge uh, from the place of meditation, you're going to start tapping into the butterfly life. And the Bible says you will prove. That word prove means you will manifest. It says you will prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You will see the will of God everywhere you look in your life by going through the process of transformation and meditation. Amen? Amen. Now, let's go to Proverbs chapter number 23, verse 7. Someone say meditation. Meditation. Hunt your neighbor and ask them, do you meditate? In fact, let's go to Psalm 4, verse 3. Let me show you something real quick. Psalms 4, verse 3 to 5. Psalms 4, verse 3 to 5. Watch what it says. Just look up. I want you to see this as I read. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Next verse. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Next verse. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. That's typically how we read this. But that's the wrong way of reading the Bible. But Pastor T, I'm on, a, I'm on a Bible reading plan. I have to finish Psalm 4 by the end of the day. Go back to verse 4. And let me show you how you should read uh, verse 4. Uh, do you mind giving it to me in the New King James Bible? The word I'm looking for there. Okay, there you go. It says, be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Sila. What the word means is to stop. You know the stop sign? Some of you don't stop on the stop sign. You just, you just, you know. No, this one you have to stop. He says stop, ponder, contemplate on what I just told you. The word sila is actually an instruction. Stop everything you're doing and start meditating on this. So you can throw away your Bible reading plan when you see the word sila and stay there because it's an instruction. He wants you to ponder. He wants you to meditate. Why? Because the object of meditation and the person of meditation become one when they meet at the place of meditation. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, as a man thinks in his, I didn't hear that. He says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He didn't say, as a man thinks in his heart, so will he become. He said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You already eat. If you think victory in your heart, you already eat. And this is what we said uh, last week, just to uh, bring you all up to speed. We said your, your mind is divided into two. 
your rational mind, also known as the male part of your mind. And there's a gate here. I'm going to show you. And this is your heart. You see, when he says, as a man thinks in his heart, he's not saying as a man thinks in his blood pumping organ. He's saying as a man thinks in the heart of the mind. Amen? It's also known as the irrational. No, no, no. The subconscious. This one is called the conscious. Now, I don't typically teach on stuff like this, but y'all can can relate, so let's do this. It's also called the spirit of your mind. Uh, 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 Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 23. Remember what it says? It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, Romans 12, verse 2 says, be renewed in the mind. But in uh, uh, Ephesians 4, 23, makes it more specific. He wants you to be renewed at the spirit of your mind level. Amen? So when he says, as a man thinks in his heart, so easy, here's what typically happens as you listen to a sermon like you're listening today. Everything comes into the rational mind. Where we rationalize it. Where we think about it logically. Where we're looking at it like, what's up with this? And here's what happens. Whatever doesn't pass the test will never be sent into your heart which is also known as the female part of your mind. Because remember, the word of God is seed. And I'm going to show you the scripture. Mark chapter number 4, verse 13, if you will. Let's read that and just confirm everything. So when I'm teaching from God's word, all I'm giving you is seed. But the seed doesn't go straight into your heart. The seed goes to your rational mind, and your rational mind informs the seed whether it is welcome into the heart or it is not. So here's what typically happens. When we teach about tithes and offerings and how you can grow your finances that way, your rational mind tells you this is El Gabaj. Never heard anything as ridiculous as this. And then you know what you do with the seed? You send it back. And seed that that doesn't not get to the female part of your mind will never be brought to a place of conception. So people look at you and they wonder, you've been going to church a long time. And you've been taught a good word a long time. How come it has not produced for you? Watch what he says here. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? So if we understand this parable, it unlocks the whole Bible. Next verse. The sower sows the what? The word of God is seed being sown by the sower. And let me submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that there is nothing wrong with the seed. It's called the incorruptible seed, which is God's word. It is perfect in all of its ways. Ain't nothing wrong with the seed. People trying to blame the seed. It's not the seed. Watch what the problem is. Next verse. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear. Satan comes when? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. That dude is right here. The Bible says, where two or more are gathered in my name. There I am with them. God is here. 
But let me also tell you, that dude is sneaky. He's also here trying to steal some of that word from your heart before it reaches your heart. And he's throwing all kinds of things in your head to distract you. Some of you are already thinking of the bride and two. And guess what? He's going to steal that seed. He's going to steal the word. So he's after the word. I mean, you'd think, Pastor, if he was here, you'd be punching me. No, he, he, he doesn't have a problem with you. You can look cute all you want. He's just after the word. He's here to steal the word. So immediately, he takes away the word slash seed that was sown in their heart. So when the word or the seed is dug up and taken out, what happens? Nothing. You're not going to get fruit. So the thing you should be protecting is seed or word in your heart. But that word must come through this gate. And we go back to Proverbs 27 verse 3. It says, as a man thinketh. Someone say thinketh. That word thinketh is in the Hebrew sha'ah. Go and Google it. This word means access. This word means doorkeeper. So, when he says, as a man thinketh in his heart so easy, essentially what he's saying is, as a man gives access into his heart so easy. So, the question today is, what do you give access to your heart? Man, miracles need to become rational for you to give them access into your heart. Some of you still at a place where you trip when you hear someone got healed of a cancer. Because it's not rational to you. And guess what? It will never reach your heart and produce for you. Hallelujah. Some of you don't think that God can supply you. It does not make sense in your rationality. You have to get to a place where the Bible makes sense. You have to get to a place where the Bible is rational. For you to allow it into your heart. And when you do, the Bible says, so easy. As a man thinketh, at a heart level, so easy. You will begin to produce the very thing that you saw in your heart. Luke 6, verse 45. Thank you, Jesus. As a man thinks in his heart, so easy. So the heart is the CPU. It is your central processing system. And whatever you put in your heart will produce. Amen? I said amen. In fact, let's read Psalm 119, verse 13, verse 11, verse 11. Then we will go to Proverbs, and then we can end with Luke 6, verse 45. Psalm 119, verse 11. It says, your word have I hidden in my what? I didn't hear that. It says, your word have I taken and put in my heart. Now watch the net effect of doing that. So that I might not sin against you. He says the way to stop sinning is to take God's word and put it in your heart. We've been trying to get people to stop sinning by measuring the length of their skirt. Too short. Too long. That's not, that's not how you get people to stop sinning. You get people to stop sinning by taking the word and putting it in their heart. And when you do that, 
they will produce a life, watch this, that's consistent with the word that's in their heart. What do you allow access into your heart? Because whatever it is, that's what's going to come uh, out of your life. Proverbs chapter number 4 verse 20. Proverbs chapter number 4 verse 20. He says, my son, give attention to my words. That's another, you know, phrase to describe meditation. You give attention to God's word. Why? Because whatever you, you give attention to, the last one of a thought is determined by the attention you give it. Let me say it one more time. The lifespan of a thought is determined by the attention you give it. So if you give fear attention, it's going to live longer in your life. Whatever you give attention to, that's, that's what is going to be in your life. Amen? He says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them de- not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. He says, keep this word in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those who find them, and health to all their flesh. So the word of God is life. It is seed, and in that seed is embedded life. But this life, just like, you know, fruit seed, has life in it. It only comes to life when it is sown in the ground. You're not going to get oranges from seeds that are sitting on your table. It has to be sown in your heart. Amen? Just like you're not going to get fruit from God's word that you have not sown in the garden of your heart. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You have to sow. You know, I used to think God's word, I used to think the Bible could be used as some religious object. You know, like a horror movie. Have you ever watched a horror movie? Where the, the Dracula is coming after you. Dracula is coming after you. And you pick up the Bible and you... Uh, uh, uh. And then, you know, Dracula has to run away. No, that's not how it works. The only word that will produce for you is the word you have sown in your heart. Just like in the natural. You can only expect fruit from uh, guava seeds that you have put where? It's the same way. If you don't put that word in your heart... In fact, when you put it in there, leave it there. Don't dig it up. Start questioning the word. See, man, let's see if this thing is really working. And you check it out and you put it back again. No, it's not going to. Put it in your heart and hide it in there. And when you do that, it will produce life for you. He says, uh, your words, I keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. And if it says in verse 23, keep your heart. With all diligence, protect your heart. That's the instruction. This area must be protected. He says protect your heart. Keep your heart with everything you have. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it spring the issues of life or the limitations of life. He says protect this dude. He's also called the super conscious. (laughs) Because this dude takes every seed you give him and produce for you. I think when we teach men how to look take care of their wives, one of the things we say is uh, uh, women are producers. Whatever you give them, they produce and give it back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over. Because they've been positioned to receive seed. If you give them good seed, they give you 
good harvest. Give them bad seed, give you better. It's the same thing with this dude. It's called the super conscious. This dude has neutral, he has lots of power, but it's neutral power. You know why? Because he works with what you give him. If you give him fear, man, he will produce from that fear, from that anxiety, man, he will work magic and turn it all into autoimmune diseases and all kinds of, man, this dude works, this dude is amazing. If you tell this dude he's victorious, if you tell him he can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, he will take that and begin to work with it and produce it in your life. Whatever you give this dude, he works with it. That's why in dealing with worry and fear and anxiety, the Bible says in uh, Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are good, lovely, just, of a good report, virtue, praiseworthy, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Send them into your heart. Because that's what you will produce when you send it into your heart. Amen? Amen? So, he says, keep your heart with all diligence. Because out of it shall flow the issues of life. Life limitations flow from your heart. You know, I was with Pastor Dave, and we're getting ready to get into the airport uh, to board a flight, I think to go to Doha at LAX, and uh, we were in a very long security line. And I started complaining and mourning and griping and so on. And he said to me, do you realize that if they let everyone on the plane carrying all kinds of stuff on the same plane with us, if that plane is compromised, when the plane goes down, it is going down with you and me. And it changed my perspective. Now I don't care. If they have to strip you, if they have to check your bag ten times, I don't care. If they have to, man, I let them do whatever they have to do because I realize, you know what? If you're coming on the plane with me with all kinds of stuff, if the thing goes down, I'm going down with you. And it's the same thing. Don't let any kind of thoughts into your heart. If you have to strip them, strip them. If you have to look at them again, look at them. In fact, the Apostle Paul says of the church at Thessalonica, every word they received, when they got home, they would check to see if those things were so. They took this thing seriously. Because they knew that if they let any kind of stuff go into their heart, that's exactly what they're going to produce. Amen? amen? I said amen. amen. So he says, out of your heart shall flow the issues, the limitations. The enemy wants to condition you to hate, to fear, to anxiety. Now it's sad to say I went uh, to a prayer meeting uh, this week, and uh, it, it was filled with fear about what's going on around us. It was filled with fear. I'll be honest with you. I was looking for encouragement, but it was filled with fear. Where is this thing going? What's this? No, man, we're good. As long as you've got good word in your heart, man, God's got this. And I walked out of that place discouraged instead of encouraged. Because the word I was getting intended for my heart was filled with fear. Man, we have to receive words that are filled with life. Words that, that are filled with love. Words that are filled with peace. Words that are full of life. And when we put that in our heart, words of victory. Man, this is why the number one customer of my messages is me. I believe in this stuff. Whatever you put in your heart, that's exactly what's going to come out. Amen? They did an experiment a few years ago. And let me just bring this in as well. Uh, this dude called the heart level or the superconscious. He makes 
he, he, he make, he, this is where all your habits come from. He, he puts your life on autopilot. I think uh, Tanasha put it really well when he was teaching on this dynamic as well. He said the first time you started learning how to drive a manual car, you were driving around here in your rational mind. That's why you had to think through everything. You know, you change the gear into one and you start telling yourself, I think it's two now, it's two now. <laughs> change it into two and you couldn't even talk to the person sitting next to you. You know why? Because all your mind is focused on driving. Now, when this skill moved from there to over here, it became autopilot. Some of you can drive without even thinking about it. You don't even have to check to put the ignition, uh, the key in the ignition. You know what? It's become second nature. And that's what God wants his word to become in your life. He wants his word to be on autopilot. When you're pressed, God's word should ooze out of you. When you see sickness, healing should ooze out of you, not fear. He wants this to become a part of you. And this is why we say meditation makes the person and the object of meditation one. Man, he wants this to be on autopilot, just like your name. If someone came to you and asked you, what's your name? How many of you would need one hour to do an equation? And extrapolate to figure out what your name is. No. You know why? Because it's on autopilot. Most of you would say, hey, my name is Tafara, without even thinking. Now, if the person say to you, no, that's not your name. Your name is Jimmy. You know what most of us would say? Just, man, just, just leave me alone. But here's what we do. When we go to the doctor, and the doctor said, your name is now cancer, and you're going to die in three months. You say, really? Is that my new name? I need to get a name change. I have a new name. The doctor said... I have a new name. And we adopt that identity. You know why? Because we have not made our identity in Christ autopilot. Your identity in Christ has to be on autopilot. And when you are confronted with something else, that's contrary. Just When he says you have an incurable disease, that, that's not my name. Just When he says you're not going to make it, this, that's not my name. I have a new name, and I know what my name is. And it, it has become such a part of my identity, I'm not even willing to entertain anything else that's contrary. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. Colossians, chapter number 1, from verse 13 to 14. Colossians, chapter number 1, verse 13 to 14. What, what, watch what it says. It says, talking about Jesus, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Next verse. In whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin. Now, I want to read the same verse uh, in New Living Translation. Uh, please, if you will, verse 13. Uh, let's go back to verse 13. It says, for he has rescued us. Someone shout, I am rescued. I am rescued. From all the challenges of the world. Someone shout, I am rescued from all sickness. Someone shout, I am rescued from all death. Someone shout, I am rescued from the challenges of the world. Now, hunt your neighbor and tell them it's in past tense. Notice it didn't say Jesus is working hard in heaven to try and rescue you. I am rescued 
for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us. Someone, saw, someone shout, I have a transfer letter. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Next verse. Now watch what happens in this kingdom. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. In this kingdom, there is freedom. In this kingdom, there is victory. In this kingdom, there is prosperity. In this kingdom, there is divine health. But you have to know that you have been transferred. They did an experiment a few years ago. They took a grasshopper, put him in a, a glass bottle, and they put a lid on top of the grasshopper uh, of the bottle. And every time the thing would jump, he would hit the lid. And a few times he did that, and they took off the lid. And by this time, he had been conditioned to think that there is a lid. And he could only jump to where the lid was, even though the lid had been removed. This is where the phrase, you need to take a leap of faith, came from. You just need one big one. That disregards what used to be above you and jump out of that limitation and that confinement of the bottle. But most of us don't realize that the lead has been taken off. We've been taken from the kingdom of darkness. Now we're in the, we're in the kingdom of freedom, in the kingdom of victory, but we still act like there is a lead. The lead has been removed. We are now in the kingdom of freedom, and this is how we should operate at a heart level. We should take God's word and start acting and receiving it at a heart level. Let's close with Luke 6, chapter number 6, verse 45. Is this making sense? Man, I'm telling you, God's word is not for your brain. It is for your heart. Because if you're just limited to the brain, you're not going to get much value out of it. It has to be at the heart. Luke chapter number 6, verse 45. Uh, Let's read it in the King James Bible, please. Watch what it says. It says, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. (laughs) What determines a good man? I'll tell you what determines a good man. The good treasure of his heart. It's the good treasure of his heart. That brings forth that which is good. Now, here's what happens. As you get treasure, as you get word treasure, here's what's happening over here in your rational mind. Some of you are saying, this is not treasure. This is trash. So you take treasure and you throw it away. People that know that God's word is treasure, like Job, he said, your word have I esteemed more than my necessary food. Thy word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by burubos and, no, but by every word. What is he doing? He's saying God's word is valuable. Treat it like treasure. Did you see what David said? He said, thy word have I hid in my heart. So he takes God's word and he treats it like treasure. And he says, it is out of the good treasure of your heart that you will bring forth that which is good. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure. It's interesting that he calls evil treasure. 
You know why? Because to the people in the world, they think it's treasure. They actually, that's how deception works. They actually think it's dumb to think that you can give and it will come back to you good measure, praise God. They think, they think that's the most ridiculous thing you can ever do. They think it's stupid. They think they possess all wisdom. They think it's dumb to think that we can lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So what they treasure is science. Now, you're nothing wrong with science, but that's what they treasure. And sometimes they treasure science that goes contrary to God's word. And he's saying that's evil treasure. He says an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is I call this the technology of God's word, or heart physics. Your heart determines what kind of life you produce. And I wish they told me this earlier on in my Christian years. I would have put the right stuff in my heart. I was doing all the religious stuff, but I didn't put the right stuff in my heart. And watch what happened. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of his heart, his mouth. So your mouth actually doesn't speak the things that you want to speak. Your mouth gets its instruction from what you put in your heart in large enough quantities. A bunch of preachers, they were driving together, saying in the first service, and uh, uh, just dri- driving, having a good time, and someone cut one of the uh, uh, preachers driving in the car, and the preacher said the cuss word, snap! He turned around and said, sorry, gentlemen, I don't know where that came from. Well, I'll tell you where that came from. <laughs> I can gladly tell you where that came from. I know exactly where that came from. From the abundance of your heart, the mouth will surprise you. Amen? From the, listen, you just focus on putting it in your heart in large enough quantities, your heart will send it to your mouth when you need it. And that's awesome. So there's, there, there are no bloopers. See, you can't expect to listen to Tupac for one month. Try it. I know you don't have time to try it. You shouldn't even try it. But you can't expect to listen to cursing, uh, hatred, fear, and put that in your heart and expect to confess something negative when the pressure hits. When the pressure hits, exactly what you've been putting in your heart in large enough quantities, that's what your heart will take and wrap it up in a nice uh, a box and put a little nice uh, ribbon and, and put it in a gift bag and send it to your mouth. And then your mouth will begin to speak. And I was saying in the first service, this is a scripture, one of those scriptures you can't cheat. Can't cheat the system. Whatever you put in your heart, that's exactly what's going to be manifested in your life. I don't know where you are in your life right now. Some of you are dealing with uh, health issues. Man, I want to encourage you to start putting God's word around healing in your heart. When we do confessions, that's exactly what we're doing. We're trying to help you put the word of God in your heart. I don't know what you're going through. It could be victory in a certain area in your job. Wherever. Man, start putting God's word of that particular area in your heart. 
And when you do it in large enough quantities, Jesus, the Lord and Savior, says your mouth will begin to speak. You can't cheat the system. I call this the technology of life or the technology of God's word. You know, back in uh, university, we used to cheat the system all the time. You know, just uh, uh, clown around the whole semester and two weeks before exams, just go and cram and exam papers, just write the stuff you've crammed, you don't even understand, you don't even know, get a distinction. Cheat the system, not this one. Can't cheat this one. This one will be produced from your heart. And this one is governed by spiritual laws. It's like gravity. I don't care who you are. If you walk off a tall building, <laughs> you is going down. <laughs> it's the same thing. A good man. Someone say a good man. Out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth that which is good. Man, you could change those words and put a victorious man. Out of the victory treasure of his heart will bring forth victory. You could change that and put a fearful man. Out of his good fear treasure of his heart will bring forth fear. What are you seeing in your life? We can fix it today by changing the treasure. We need to change the treasure and change what you're focusing on. And as you start putting different uh, treasure into your heart, you'll begin to see a totally, radically changed, transformed life. And that's what Jesus wants you to do. Amen? Why don't you stand on your feet? Someone shout, God's word is treasure in my life. Man, in fact, we should change the term Bible study to treasure hunting. Go in there looking for treasure. Look for treasure. And when you go looking for that treasure, when you get it, man, just like you treat your diamonds at home, value it. Put it away in your heart and lock it in there. Amen? And when you do that, your life cannot stay the same. It's hard physics. Take some time every night to go treasure hunting. This is what has changed my life, and I know that it will change your life. Someone shout, God's word is valuable to me. From today onwards, I will treasure every spoken word that comes out of the Bible. Every promise I will put to my heart. Without question, without fear, without doubt, without unbelief, I invest my whole mind, my entire being to trust God's word. Remember what he said in uh, Proverbs 3 verse 5? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. Today, someone shout today. Today. I give you my heart. All of it. Today, I give you my heart. I surrender my heart to the rulership of God's word. To the rulership of the supremacy of his word. I do not submit my heart to current affairs. I do not submit my heart to the news. I do not submit my heart to what appeals just to the senses. I am a spiritual being. And I see things from the perspective of the spiritual realm. In the name of Jesus. Therefore, I possess victory. All my needs are met. I live in a place of peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. I see in the spiritual realm. And I do not have fear. I possess all solutions. For all the problems that I'm encountered with in my job, in my business, in my career, in the name of Jesus. You know, when the Bible says we have an unction from the Father and we know all things, it's talking about your super being. Someone shout, I know everything. See, your rational mind is already telling you, man, you, you tripped. Now, you need to tell it, shut up. That's what to be spiritually minded means. It means now you have the will to tell your rational mind to stop. Because for some of you, it's going to make a lot of sense for you to be worried about tomorrow. For you to be worried about the deal you are about to close. Some of you, it makes sense in your rational mind. But let me tell you, if you just submit that thing to your super conscious, you submit that thing to your heart, man, I'm telling you, it works from within to without. From within to without. And that's where God wants you to be. He has given you everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for these, your children. Lord, I pray, even as you said in your word, that you will write your law on the uh, tablets of their hearts, the hearts of flesh. Lord, I thank you that you may begin to write your law, write a new software on their heart, a software that is based on our victory in Christ. A software that is based on the, on the new covenant. Lord, I thank you that this software is not written on our brains. It is written in our hearts. Even as you gave a promise by the prophets of old. There's a new covenant written on fleshly hearts. Lord, I thank you that this is a good software. It's a good treasure. And it will bring forth good fruit. Lord, I pray and bring before you every sick body, 
that is here amongst us this morning. We know you have already healed us. And we receive it at a heart level. It makes sense to get our healing from God than from men. It makes sense to get our victory in our bodies from God and not from men. Father, we thank you that they are healed by your stripes. We thank you, Lord. We cancel every doctor's report. And we bring the supremacy of your word into their lives. And we release divine health for all the days of their lives. Father, we thank you for your peace. Some of your children here living lives at a place of worry and fear and anxiety. Father, right now we thank you for peace. A peace that comes from you and you only. A supernatural peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you will give them a restful sleep in the night season. That they will not toss and turn and worry and have nightmares and anxieties and so on and so forth and, and, and wonder about what tomorrow looks like. Father, we thank you for a supernatural peace that comes from you and from you only. Yeah, they will not worry about their children who don't live with them. What they're going through. What will they do? What will they eat? What their tomorrow will look like? No, they will not worry about any of that, but that they will submit their children to the care and the love of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for doing it. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In the mighty, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have prayed and everyone said amen. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. That's who